Welcome to the Exponential Podcast, part of a library of thousands of multiplication resources. This library of resources is designed to help you accelerate multiplication in your church and community. Our mission is to equip you as a movement maker with actionable principles, ideas, and solutions with some of today's top leaders. This episode was part of Exponential's online community at multiplication.org. Visit multiplication.org to join the free community and interact with other leaders. All right, we are here. This is it. The very first episode of this brand new webinar, Candid Conversations. I have the privilege of being one of your hosts. My name is Ephraim Smith. I'm a pastor in Sacramento, California, but I'm also very fortunate to have a close relationship and connection with Exponential, which is my on-ramp to introducing my co-host. He is, you know, you could say that this is no disrespect to Dave Ferguson, but the brains of Exponential, the day-to-day executive leader, the one who can take a vision out of an apostolic pastor's head from A to B to C. He is my co-host, my brother, my friend, Todd Wilson. Wow, Ephraim. I, I just have to say, if, if people didn't already realize that uh, of the three squares they're seeing, that one of these things is not like the other, let me just highlight that Ephraim is an artist. He's very eloquent as an artist. I'm an engineer. So these candid conversations, you're going to get the, uh, you're not going to get that kind of introduction on anything from me. I'm going to help you unpack some frameworks and things like that. But uh, wow, Ephraim, thank you. That was really good. Um, Ephraim and I are just so blessed. Uh, We've had a relationship for years. We've actually talked about doing this kind of uh, webinar series of candid conversations where uh, people can have civil conversations, remain friends, learn together, challenge one another uh, in difficult topics. And that's what we plan to do here. And at the end of the day, we want to model how to have healthy conversations. So, Um, We are so fortunate the next at least 12 weeks every week we're going to have a special guest and as you can see Dr. Perkins what an unbelievable honor for us to have you on the pilot episode of this we're so grateful to have you thanks for uh, know how busy you are so thanks for taking the time to be with us. This is for me like the fulfillment of a longing for a 90-year-old guy like me to take Paul serious when he said uh, that which you have learned or heard from me. And he's talking about his struggles, his pain, his success, the church at Philippi. Uh, He talked about all of that together and pass it on to another generation. And for me to be here able to pass along what God sustained me in to this generation and where he has brought us to and the conversation we're going to have with the people we are having it with across these barriers that we have made them bigger than grace. These problems we have, we have made them bigger than grace for us to be able to just have conversation about these problems. Well, Dr. Perkins, I I just, for those that don't know, and if you don't know, 
oh my goodness, you need to know Dr. John Perkins is the visionary leader, the theological leader, the on the ground leader of the John and Vera May Perkins Foundation. He is a voice of reconciliation that has stood the test of time. Uh, he, uh, in his background, uh, he has seen firsthand the violence, the brutality of racism, of racial segregation, of systemic sin and injustice, and even for wanting to bring the gospel to people and bring the gospel in a way that, that brings the discovery of salvation, the discovery of a holistic empowerment, of, of helping people understand that God doesn't just transform us for heaven, but liberates us for the right now. Uh, he experienced severe beating one night in a, in a, in a jail room uh, by, by sheriffs. And even in the midst of almost dying, he rose from that horrific predicament with love and grace and forgiveness. He's been a voice of reconciliation since then. Uh, his book, With Justice for All, was voted at, at the end of the 20th century. It was named one of the 50 most important books written in the 20th century. And so he is a theologian. He is a, as an evangelistic voice. And he is a civil rights uh, legend for the, for the kingdom of God. We, we lost C.T. Vivian uh, a couple weeks ago. We lost Representative John Lewis uh, a, a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, we recently lost uh, Joseph Lowry. But I want you to know that Dr. John Perkins, who's with us in this first webinar episode, is one of those voices still among us who preaches the gospel and preaches equality. So I want to start with this question for you, Dr. Perkins. Uh, the, the, our theme for this first episode is unity. If you were creating the Dr. John Perkins Dictionary, how would you define unity? I would have to define it as, first, I would have to figure out what was the common good that we're unifying around. Mm. Such unity for unity don't have much meaning. There have got to be God's purpose. What is the incarnated purpose of God to man? What is God's, and my friend Rick Warren have defined that, and we have taken that for granted, is to know God, this all-encompassed, knowledge of God that you can't hardly find out. You can't hardly search out. This one holy God, this one God that revealed himself as Jesus Christ and shed it at one blood for all the sins of the world. Now, for what purpose is that we might know him and to make him known and to work for him and to serve him and to worship him, that's one word. That's one word. Yes. All eternity. So we got to figure out what is the common good. 
and I've stated, as I see it, that would be my dictionary deal, is to notice God is to know his love. You need to know the motivation for that exemption, for that whole idea, for God so loved that he created this world for us and made us stewards of it. And he created us to be equal in his image, to reflect him in the world, to reflect his trinity in the world. And that would be the unity uh, around that common good. Now, most unity is for an objective and a purpose for time in life, because he knew there was going to be walls and rumors of wall. But then how do we bring about that peace? And he's going to talk about that at the end of his life, this peace I leave with you. We haven't been able to keep the peace, just like we created the greatest statement in terms of human history as an interpretation uh, for God's justice. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all humankind was created in God's image and created uh, to know God and that we have reneged on that. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all man is created equal, is endowed by the creator with certain rights, chief among those for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have reneged on that one and we haven't made it in a sense of reality yet. In a sense of reality yet. A few weeks ago, they laid the ax at the root of the tree. God loves the little children, all the children of the world, red, brown, and yellow, black, and white, they all pressed it in his sight. And they went for one of those Black Lives Matters, and we created riots all over the world, all over the United States. We are in trouble. We'll either return dignity or we'll go on missing the mark. We won't have any unity. We'll have unity when we obey what God created man to reflect, and that was himself. Yes, sir. We have a problem here. And God is speaking to all of us now at the same time. In my 90 years, this is the first time he's speaking to all of us about the preciousness of life. The common good is the preciousness of life. God kissed life into existence. Life is the highest common good. And we're raising questions about who life matters. Oh, Lord, have mercy on our soul. Yeah. Oh, Lord, that's the common good. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And life was to be it. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, sir. And Dr. Perkins, uh, you've, I mean, at age 90, you have seen much. You've, been, you've had a front row seat and been engaged uh, throughout the civil rights movement. So if we were to just look 
at the work of the civil rights movement and what it would mean to finish the work of the civil rights movement. If we could write the, the ending chapter on, on the finished work of the civil rights movement, what would you say are the top gaps today that exist between you know, finishing the work of the civil rights movement and where we are today? What, what are the top gaps? I, th- I think we would look at our expression of justice. I, I think there is a law. There is right and wrong. There was an Old Testament law, and there is a law for the church. God, who had sundry times and then divers manners, spoken time past to our fathers by the prophet. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. We call him Jesus. We call him the church, his body. And the church was made a steward of that truth. And the church has reneged on us. It has turned the church into a person who have not been discipled to be the steward of what we call evangelical church. That's our problem right now. And it's no love for life when there's over 150, almost 60,000 of us dying every day and there's not much empathy. There's not much empathy for what human was created to protect. He made us to protect that and to be steward of these resources to protect that. And now we're using voodoo, talking voodoo to our civilized people. I didn't know America could go this. I thought our universities and our intelligent institution and our political science would help us to know when people are losing their mind. Losing their concern. Yeah. We are in trouble. It's us. It's the stewardship. We were made steward. We were to do it. That was our education, intelligence. Take God's knowledge and turn it into technology and manage the world. And when these new diseases come along, we would have the resources to do the research when we turn back to God. And God would give us a solution to manage human disease. Some disease we haven't found in a cure form. But we can manage them. We had an epidemic before, and that was AIDS. We still haven't found an absolute cure. My wife is dying with sugar diabetes. They manage that. She's going to be 87 on the 16th of this month. We can manage that. We can manage AIDS, but we haven't turned to him. Mm. Uh, The God, the God, listen to this truth. The God who caused the light to shine out of darkness. That God has shined that light of intelligence into our hearts to give us the knowledge to deal with the management of justice 
and righteousness and stewardship and to be that kind of steward to manage society as long as we color coat them and dehumanize them, we got a problem. That's the issue. These issues are, are not minor issues, but we got a solution. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, we wouldn't turn to voodoo. We wouldn't say it's just going to go away. We would listen to our scientists, and we would test and test and test, and we would test and test and test until we got a, at least a, a management cure until we could find the vaccine. God is speaking, folks, to us, and the church got us into this darkness. The church led us into this darkness. Dr. Perkins, during the civil rights movement that you were a part of in, in, the, in the 60s and going into the 70s, um, through Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., C.T. Vivian, and, and others, it was obvious that this was rooted in the church. Not every element of the civil rights movement came out of the church, but, but the dominant picture that you saw through Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, the, the, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee was, was rooted in faith. When you look at the movement today, and when you see protests, uh, when, you, when you see the cries of Black Lives Matter, do you still see the church in today's movement or are you concerned that it's not as connected to the church as the, the, the civil rights movement that you were a part of was. Yeah. How do you see it today? Leading out of the civil rights movement was right. Human dignity. Separate can never be equal. Separate make people inferior. Separate creates self-hatred. And self-hatred will automatically create violence in our society. Our problem then, they stated that it was going to be nonviolent. They stated it was going to be from the church. We have now a mixed multitude. We have a mixed multitude. And that we think that the mixed multitude, that's the problem. The church have lost its right to lead because it's too mixed mother to, and we haven't dedicated ourselves to a stronger enough purpose, because when we laid the ax at the root of the tree here, again, uh, the people who we were talking to got violent. The policemen got violent. And so we don't have any, what we are talking about today, what is the common good we can all work for? Our Constitution laid that out. Life, liberty, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's the pursuit of happiness. Everybody's not going to find that and do that, but we need to put what is first first. 
we need to put, again, I'm back to my friend, Rick Warren, the purpose-driven life. What is that purpose? It's to know God and to make him known. To make God and to make him known. And his church represents in every nation on earth. He got a mission there. A, a purpose-driven life. And, and, and we have come upon those purpose from time to time. Those, those nine kids who went into Little Rock, they, they were saying to know God is to know wisdom. If anyone like wisdom, let them ask of God. I, I think we are overlooking too much. Racism has made us sick. I, 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 we are trying to give it out in doses. A little of this and a little of that. And we have made those little problems bigger than grace. That's what John Lewis was saying. They were saying exactly what Lincoln said. You can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And the issue here is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's human dignity. It's got to be a bigger dose. It's got to be a bigger dose. Hmm. You, we're making these issues bigger than the reality. I, Gotta get on my side. I think the reason Sir Right Movement persevered is because they made the right commitment. Mm. And I think Thorough Good marshaled them when they took about what dolls are beautiful and what dolls are ugly. Integration wouldn't just do that. The humanity has got to make a commitment to that. Yeah, they got to make a commitment to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when you make a commitment just to the consumption, that's missing justice. We got to distribute those consumption in a way that the poor is not left out. That was Jesus's first sermon. Yeah, the spirit of the Lord is among me, and, and that was how Ruth was enfranchised into an old mosaic system that was supposed to leave out. Yeah. As a follow-on to that, Dr. Perkins, just to stay on the church for a second, um, if you were in speaking to pastors at this point or church leaders, so for the church to take the leadership role that you believe it ought to have, the way it had in the civil rights movement, what would you encourage church leaders to do more of and less of? I mean, either way, what, what, what's your advice for church leaders for the church to take the leadership role you think they, that it should? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that we've got to be in tension in one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Jesus prayed that we might be one. I think you can almost take any one of these big issues and tie God to it. Boy, you got some help here. <laughs> you got some help here. 
I think we gotta get we gotta get central around God's purpose. We gotta preach, we gotta come to the end of ourselves and then look back to God and say, What are you saying now that I need to implement right now? What are you saying now? You come to the end of yourself. Need to God, I need your help. We need to get people to begin to call by his name. And that we then need to humble ourselves. And that's what they did. John Lewis was in front of the dogs and the horses, stepping on him. And he didn't fight back. That's a tough one. That's, I struggle with that. I struggle with this humility thing. Yeah, me yeah. too, Dr. Perkins. Me too. Is making myself God. That's the other side of that. What are making myself God? We got a problem with that. We got a problem with that. We got a problem with humility. Dr. Perkins, that, when we um, we're, we're talking about your definition of unity, and you, you alluded to that what was important was understanding what is it that we're unifying around? What is the goal? It seems that in John 17, Jesus was calling the disciples that after he would go to the cross and come out of the grave and go to be with the Father, that they would be one, that even today, that as, as believers, as Christians, that we would be one. What is that oneness that you believe Jesus is calling us to even today, that we would be in the world, but not of the world, and we would be unified in not being of the world as we're in the world? What is it that Jesus is calling us to? What does it look like to be in the world, but not of the world? I, I think we have lost the beauty of communication, a intact loving message. Loving God with all our heart, and with all our soul, and all our mind, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, that would be towards peacemaking. It would be a, a little bit like the Bruderhof community. It would be just like a church association getting concerned for the whole city. Have a ministry with the intention of trying to reach that whole city. The early church went to places and started at one place and turned that city upside down. They had a, a purpose with the issue. When Paul went to Forest Hill, he said, I'm going to talk about the God you don't know. Mm. I'm going to talk about the God that made the heavens and the earth and has created them in his image. 
and set the bounds where he would go. And they would get their ethnicity from where their birthplace. Man is one and have one blood and not a whole percent is a different. And the different is where we live that. That color and the content. I'm telling you, he prayed that we might be one. I think that we focus on the purpose of man's existence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That would be justice. Hmm. That would be loving one another. When he defined the law, he said, uh, this is the fulfillment of the commandment. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul. That would be fulfilling the law. Jesus fulfilled that law when he died on the cross for us to give us another chance. To forgive us for our sin, justify us, just as if we've never sinned, and we get another chance. I love that. I love that. Boy, I have broken so many times. Yeah, but, yeah, you're, you're pointing to that this, this is... This is more simple than we're making it out to be. Now, it may be more challenging to live out what Jesus simply said, but Jesus didn't make this complicated. Jesus took all the laws, all the decrees, all the things that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin council was holding over people and what it meant to be religious. And Jesus made it simple and said, love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And it seems like that simple understanding of, of the foundation of the gospel, we still haven't been able to unify in the, in the body of Christ in the United States of America around that simple call. Love yep. God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're struggling with that love your neighbor. We got the vehicles to, to do it, but they are using them for mass marketing and the people who can do the mass marketing and produce the goods and use the media at the same time are the richest people on earth. Don't, don't, don't confuse me here. Yeah. They don't put that together. And then the people who are destroying it is telling lies about it and using the media to tell those lies. That you wasn't created in the image of God. We got the solution to human dilemma. It's our lust of the flesh, our lust of the eye, and pride of life. We are sin-making machines. And it's our sin. Don't get at them. Boy, my problem is my sin. Yeah. My peace is when I feel that God is forgiving me. And he made that as a statement. And he said, and I give unto the return right. I believe he can get me there. I think to live in a state of repentance. I got to live in a state of repentance. That's what he's trying to do to us now. Yeah. 
Yeah, Doctor, I gotta let I gotta let our brother Todd jump in here. Uh so uh because uh you gotta you gotta you gotta get back into this triune candid conversation spirit we got going on right here, brother Todd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for everybody's benefit, if uh, we got a couple more questions we're going to ask Dr. Perkins. So if you can be putting any questions you have for him into the chat, uh, we will uh, ask those questions to Dr. Perkins. So if you're uh, in the chat right now, be sure to be putting your questions in. In just a couple minutes, we're going to uh, be asking him your questions. Um, Dr. Perkins, the, this idea of unity, um, you know, on one hand, we want people to live according to their convictions. We want them to be passionate about their beliefs. We want them to engage and make a difference. And then we wanna have unity. So it, it feels like we live at one of the most divisive times in our, history's country, or in the, in, in our history. How, how do we reconcile this idea of having unity, but still having diversity of opinion? Like, can you, Ephraim and I, have differing opinions on some of these things, but still have unity. How does unity fit within things? Yeah. I, I, unity around a goal, I think we avoid it in Kuwait. We avoid it a bigger conflict by deciding to go in there and get out. the present distress and not want to be a conqueror of the world and set up a new dynasty. That's the kind of unity we're talking about. We're talking about governing and we're talking about alliances and we're talking about coalition. And dynasties come and go well, we're talking about how to become peacemakers. And I was going over these with my daughter, and I was said, when do you see people acting more creatively? When they is humming themselves. She asked me, what was the time of some peace in the economy? I said it was when Clinton was in there when he got humiliated and repented and got reelected. That was one a good time. There are certain times you have peace. People say when Jesus was here on earth, that was a, 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 a time when there was peace. They can't, don't know of any walls during that time that he was here on earth. So we're talking about Yes, not solving all the world problem. Man is broken. Man is sinful. Man is greedy. Man is lustful. But God rules in the kingdom of men. And he brings about those errors and time. We got together and put Hitler down. We got together and put little Japan down when she wanted to rule China and everybody else. Hitler wanted to rule the, uh, Europe and the rest of the world. 
Look, we're going to have trial and tribulation. This life is a test of our obedience to God. Life is a test. That's what the book of Job is about. Yeah. It, that's not about Job. It's a fight between Satan, fallen man, revealing himself as Satan. My, my fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities is the princes who organize nations to suppress other nations. That's principalities. And Dr. Perkins, I want to, there's some questions that we have here that people are asking. I, I want to throw one at you. Um, what, um, what we seem to be seeing that may be different than uh, movements before in this nation is after the video uh, of George Floyd crying out for his life. And actually, George Floyd crying out for his life, that where, where he died, that's the block where I grew up in Minneapolis. And you used to come to that community and preach at something called the Soul Liberation Festival. And, and that's the community where I grew up. Oh. That's the community where I heard you preach and where through, through the, the church that brought you to that community, I gave my life to Christ. Mm. And that's the same community where George Floyd died for the mm. whole world to see. Now, in the midst of that, it seems like m there's a number of predominantly white churches, uh, evangelical pastors that are saying, I need to do something. We need to make a statement. Our church needs to do something. Um, what are the practical steps that you would say white churches can make to start entering into the work of unity and reconciliation? What, what can the white church do right now? If they would know that the thought of reconciliation was the thought before creation. Mm. We make that an eventful thing. Reconciliation is God at work reconciling the world unto himself. And what makes it so beautiful, he ought to put that reconciliation in our heart when we are converted. That's the mission on the world. And we are made as a side issue. You got to be intentional. You got to look like mosaic. You got to have that thought in your mind. Unity in diversity. Unity in beauty. And, and Dr. Perkins, you, you mentioned this idea of rallying around a common cause. We've got a question about the church's engagement. And you, you made the comment that back in the 60s, churches could engage around this idea of human dignity, that separate but equal doesn't really uh, facilitate dignity. So what today, what, how do churches rally today? Is it still around dignity or what is the message that rallies churches today? Dignity. We are there. Why should we let it off the hook? Why don't we make a statement one of the, probably the best things that we could do in your 12 issues, I want to do this, come up with those 
12, I have found that when you tell people exactly what to do, they don't fail, you fail to tell them. People need to find this in discussion. People need to find this in the fellowship with the purpose. They got to own it. And they got to come to conclusion. That's what one blood tries to say. One blood tries to say, what can wash away my sin? Who are we? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, washes all our sins away. I think that we got to come up with a language. We are so mixed up in our language. We don't have a language of love. So we got to have the fellowship. I think Henry Ford had it as a businessman. Coming together is to be a product, a product to make Ford cars. Coming together, a similar line, a similar line. Coming together is the beginning. Working together is progress. Staying together is success. He didn't have to get no money from the government when they give all automobiles people the money. They didn't take the money from the government. Lord have mercy, these are some principles we, we got to look at 1 Corinthians. We got to look at those gifts and talents. So, no, I'm not talking about a quick fix. I'm talking about some discussion around these pivot issues. And doing one of them at a time is not enough. Doing Perkins, you know, I'm glad you said that about Ford because both my vehicles are Fords. So I feel so much better now that you said that. I'm going to drive those vehicles with a different spirit. And I want to get to one of the issues that that's obvious that's keeping us from unity is the political climate. Um, I, I've been trying to preach the last year to get uh, those that I influence in my congregation and those that, that I'm able to, to connect with broadly to put the kingdom of God before any political party. How, how, can, we, how can we do that? Because we're in this divisive political climate. So is one of the ways to get unity by uh, lifting up more, lifting up higher the kingdom of God over any political party or political system? No doubt. No doubt. These people think that this conservatism, this liberalism, this neo-what it is, adds something to their spirituality. And that's what the church delivered. Evangelical church delivered. We made this system this system was made and delivered. And we think that's in the church house, just with a church house and a Bible that don't know what's in it. That started to rise. That started to rise. 
They delivered that system. Discipleship is our problem. I don't mind people need to hear about God, but they need to hear the truth about God, that you can be born again. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has come. We got people, this is my first time that I ever heard us having to tell people to believe the lie. Mm. What I see in my eyes, that's the problem. Satan told a lie. Now we are telling our leader, that's all right, just believe the lie. This is sad. I didn't think America could get here. Dr. Perkins, can you uh, talk a little bit more about the discipleship problem? You, you, you characterize we have a discipleship problem. What is the, how would you articulate the problem? What is the problem? The, the discipleship problem. Just speak a little bit more on the discipleship problem, the discipleship part. It said that discipleship is developing friends, Christian friends. That's the best example of discipleship. And then they who walk together then and confess each other's sin together. A friend that you can trust. You can tell them your deepest secret in life because it's the secrets that need to become public that messes us up. We ask for one thing to do another one. So we need discipleship. It's in First John. If I was going to read you all of the books, what we call the letters, all of those about discipleship, but two. And even they got a part of discipleship, but all the other books is about almost a complete discipleship. They all almost have some of the same thing in them all. Because they're talking about the gifts of God that he had placed in the church with those multitudes of gifts, 12 or so of those gifts. They are there to stay in the church so the individuals within that church could minister to each other around those. The fruit of the Spirit is those fruits that sustain us, that give us the power, the consistency, the presence of God in us. They are called the fruits of the Spirit. And all of that is in discipleship. And John says, man, if we walk in that light, as he's in that light, we have fellowship, friendship, one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, keep on washing our old sins away. The unpardonable sin and the sin unto death is the sins you don't confess. Because he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sin. And that blood of Jesus Christ 
washes all our sins away. And we're just as if we've never sinned. We are necessary. The Bible is one story about one person that was coming to wash away our sins, and that was Jesus, his life. And it's Jesus in us, living his life out through us. We didn't write the divided the world. We didn't put it the Bible. We didn't put it back together to preach it as a whole. We write divided and took pieces out. And so there is holes in our gospel. But he says, Jude says, those are holes of charity. Those are holes of love. Those are holes of love. Uh, we got to preach more than just the isolated issue. We got to preach a whole gospel. And we got to take a whole gospel on a whole mission to the whole world. That's the church's responsibility. There's a two. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There's a two part question that's come in, Dr. Perkins. Um, and this, uh, I think, is probably a white leader. And the question is this People of color have told me that they are low in trust with white people because of a life of uh, lived experiences. In other words, you know, having not walked in the other person's shoes, there's a low trust level. So how do you, how do you build trust amidst that's the first part of the question. And the second part of the question is there's a, a lot of white leaders who want to engage this conversation, who feel like on one hand, they're being told to be quiet and listen. And on the other hand, they're being told that they're a problem, you know, that if they're not speaking up, they're a problem. So how does a white leader maneuver and engage in the right way, in a way that builds trust, but also is appropriate in the conversation? I think I would go back. I don't know all the answers. I think about the way I talk about friendship. And the way I talk about Henry Ford through his principles, coming together is the beginning. Working together is progress. Staying together is success. That's what I talk about the three hours of Christian community development. N number one, relocation. Jesus came down here and proved that he was God by overcoming the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, that said that he was God. That's what makes sin in our lives. Uh, and it's gotta have fellowship. You gotta have fellowship. Fellowship is people trying intentionally living our lives out together and recognize the fact that they're broken. And our sin come from our brokenness. I, I, think, I don't think you can do it without discipleship. I think you can get a confession, but if they're not, go into all the world and disciple the nation. When I was converted, a missionary told me that the Bible was a revelation about the one and only God. And it, the Bible was about that. And you need to come to know that God. 
And then you need to make that God known. And that was our mission in the world. So I think there's some, I think people, and to be broken, when people are broken from their pride, they do better quickly. I watch those people. I watch my friend Chuck Colson. You don't know what he was. He said he would walk over his mother's grave to do, obey what the president told him to do. Blind ambition, blind ambition. So, so this is not a quick fix. This is a Bible study. This is preaching with a purpose. When I preach, I'm really, it's like trying to build a house. And I'm trying to build a house upon something solid. And what is solid is the word of God. It's the rock. It's the rock. The wise man. And so you preach with some order. You don't just preach with emotion. You got to have a purpose for your preaching. A purpose-driven life. A purpose-driven church. Those are next to the Bible. Those books are next to the Bible. Pilgrim's Progress was next to the Bible. One blood, Lord, I hope. One blood, I wish it would interfere into our business. Well, Dr. Perkins, I, I have read One Blood, and I have read With Justice for All. Alleged wrong is what you're talking about. And uh, I, I hope that one blood is seen in the same way as the book, uh, the books of John Stott, uh, that it would be the seen this in the same way as Oswald Chambers, that it would be seen in the same way as people reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that I'm saying, look, that's who John Perkins is. I know we're winding down here and we're, we're getting close to the, to the end. So I, I want to ask you one last question, Dr. Perkins, as, as we wind down. And again, I would encourage people. The, his latest book, One Blood, this, I, I would say, as, as much as I love all the books that Dr. Perkins has written, this book, this is his manifesto. To me, this this is 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 his uh, this this is at the center. You could take everything that he's written over the years, and it comes together in the book One Blood. Uh, by am I am I am I saying the name right, Doctor Perkins? Uh, yeah, you are saying what I am finishing up now. One Blood is the anchor. Yeah, of two other books. He calls me friend and then counted all joy is the virtue of suffering. Mm. The mysterious virtue of suffering. Yes. The, the uh, mystery counted all joy. I think 
it wakes up the sin in us. Pain wakes up. You can't get into the kingdom without repenting. And you, when you repent, you become conscious of the sin you're against committed. You come to sin that is worrying you. And God wake it up in you. Yes. If you lack it too much and pit it too long, it will be the sin you don't confess. And that will be the unpardonable sin. He came into this world to save us from sin. He said that to Joseph. He said that to Mary. They shall call his name Jesus. So y'all are looking for a one shop deal and life is discipleship. Life is what we are dealing with as we live it. And God speaks through his word, but he also gives you stuff that he haven't said. You know, you know, Todd, Todd, I'm not even going to ask another question. I, that, this has been so rich. This has been so good that I just want to say thank you, Dr. Perkins. Thank you, Dr. Perkins. And Todd, you probably want to give us a sneak preview yes. of what's happening next week because this is just the beginning. And so I, I want to, again, I just want to say we love you, Dr. Perkins. We're so grateful for your voice, so grateful for your work, and you have inspired hundreds of thousands, I believe millions of people in the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of biblical justice, the ministry of the gospel, uh, that, that uh, we might see the biblical implications of liberation, justice, and reconciliation. Todd, won't you give us a sneak peek yeah. of next week? Good. So, Dr. Perkins, thank you. You really have paved the way in this pilot episode. Here's what's coming the next few weeks. Same time, uh, Thursdays, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, next week, we have special guest Miles McPherson from oh. Southern California. Um, Miles is going to talk with us on uh, rules of engagement for civil conversations. It's a follow-on to this idea of unity. Um, how do we have civil conversations with some rules of engagement? The week after that, we have Brian Loritz on as our special guest. Uh, Ephraim will be with us that week. Uh, Brian's going to talk about what people of color wish white leaders knew. Um, so that's two weeks from now. And then three weeks from now, we have Albert Tate. Uh, Albert's a good friend of all, you know, Ephraim and I's. Uh, Albert will be on to talk about prejudice and bias. Um, so that's our next three weeks. The weeks after that, we've got racism, systemic bias, privilege, equity and equality, justice, reconciliation. Uh, I mean, just the topics for the next 12 weeks are, uh, are going to be a blessing. So we hope you'll join in with us. And thanks again, Dr. Perkins, for being with us. Thank you, Ephraim. Having me. John, for having me. This is a fulfillment of a dream. This is a precious gift to me that y'all would allow me to have this fellowship with you.
Thank you for listening to this exponential podcast recorded in our online community. We hope you enjoyed the content. In the fall of 2020, along with our community online daily content like you just listened to, Exponential is hosting roundtable events across the country and building a leader kit with over 100 plus resources. All of this is to help you engage in a healthy conversation for kingdom collaboration, diversity, and unity to advance church multiplication in your city. Visit multiplication.org for more.